Thank you, choir. Beautiful, beautiful music. Bless our hearts. Thank you for coming. Thank you for putting up with Brother Jay Paulin. <laughs> Jay's a great friend from way, way back, and I so appreciate him, and please give your great regards to your wonderful pastor, Brother Glenn. We appreciate him, and uh, he probably wouldn't mind if y'all spent the night and did the singing here in the morning. What do y'all think? <laughs> he wouldn't mind. But uh, thank you all again. Appreciate you. And I know a lot of work and a lot of effort into you being here tonight. And we just thank you so very much. Wonderful, wonderful blessing. And uh, thank you, Brother Mike, for allowing us to be here. Thank you, Brother Eric, for uh, your hosting this event as well. And to your wonderful congregation, they surely do cook good. They are awesome. Uh, we accept uh, membership any way y'all want to come. As long as you bring some more of that banana pudding, you're in. All right. The book of First Chronicles. Brother David Enzer set up a softball pitch for me. Preached about that old devil, the lion. I've been sitting over there for the whole time he was preaching, trying to come up with another sermon. Seriously, I've got hundreds of them in my Bible and written in in different places. But God wouldn't let me out of what he had laid on my heart two days ago. I tried to talk him out of it two days ago. But that didn't work either. But I want to share something with you, and I promise you this. We're not going to be very long. You're going to be shocked. You think I'm kidding, don't you? But uh, I want you to come to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. In 1 Chronicles chapter 11, David is making mention of some of his mighty men. Are you familiar with the mighty men of David? David was a marvelous warrior king. David had excelled himself in battle. He had made himself well known in his fight against Goliath, but in many, many other ways, David was a true warrior. And David had... Uh, Hey, he learned about leading men and he learned about picking men. And he chose well some of his inner circle. He chose a group of men that became known as his mighty men. He numbered them. He, uh, he ordered them in certain orders of ranking, ranked them. And uh, they were important leaders in his whole kingdom and especially in his army. They were men of war. They were men of battle. They were fearless men. They were great men. In 1 Chronicles chapter 11, he's naming several of them, and he's giving us some insight about them. We come to verse 22, and the Bible says, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He... he, he who had done many acts, slew two lion-like men of Moab. What are lion-like men of Moab? I don't know. Also, he went down in a, and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. He slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high. In the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. He went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. Benaiah was a bad dude. 
Benaiah was an amazing warrior. He has, he has slain two lion-like men of Moab. We don't know exactly what that means. I hadn't figured it out yet. He uh, slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature. A spear like a weaver's beam was the size of the Egyptian's spear. Benaiah goes down with a staff. I think he was a ninja. With a staff, he took the spear away from the Egyptian and slew him with his own spear. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? But then he says he did this. He slew a lion in a pit on a snowy day. And of all the things that Benaiah did, that's the most outstanding. He slew a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Some things I ask, how did he wind up in that pit? Who was there first? Was it Benaiah was in the pit and the lion jumped in? That's more plausible in my mind than he was the lions in the pit and Benaiah jumped in. In my mind, I can't imagine him doing that. But thinking it all out, because it wouldn't be like a lion to jump in the pit, even if he's real hungry. Not likely that Benaiah just jumped in on a lion. There's other ways to take him out besides just jumping in on top of him. I think he slid. More exactly, here's what I believe happened. It's not in the Bible. The Lord doesn't tell us, but He gives us a little liberty. I happen to believe that Benaiah has been told there's a lion over yonder in that pit. I got to see this. And he walked over. It's a snowy day. One of two things happened. Could have been somebody goosed him. <laughs> He's looking in the pit at the lion and somebody goosed him and he in the pit. Or he just slid. Whoop! Slipped and fell in. How do you think it happened? I don't know. You ever know anybody that just slipped into problems in their life and you really don't know how you wound up there? You ever had trouble come into your life when you really wasn't sure where it was coming from, how it happened, or how you wound up in that situation? But here it is. Benaiah is in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. You understand some things? That's the worst possible foe. Brother David has already talked to us a great deal about the lion. And of all animals on the face of the earth that you don't want to fight in close quarter combat, a lion is the top of the list. You don't want to have to fight a lion in a pit. You'd really like to have a lot of room to run if you've got to fight a lion. Can I tell you that it is the lion's way to be close to you? and a pounce. 
He was the worst possible foe in the worst possible place in a pit. Nowhere to run, no way to hide, just you and that lion. Eyeball to eyeball, nose to nose with a lion. Not a good situation. In the worst possible foe, the worst possible place, under the worst possible conditions on a snowy day. We already have assumed and believed the ground was slickery. Remember how he got in there? It was already slippy. It was already treacherous. Hard to stand up. I don't know if any of you have ever done any fighting, but you need your footing. You need to be able to stand your ground. You need to be able to maneuver. Hard to do it in a pit on a snowy day. The worst possible conditions. You want to, not to be that close to that lion on a snowy day. The worst possible conditions because it's cold. It's hard to fight in the cold. It's hard to feel and respond as quickly, to move as well. All sorts of things are wrong. Now you've got the picture, haven't you? We are in this world with an enemy that is our worst possible foe. We are in his territory. This world is his kingdom in the worst possible place with the worst possible conditions. How did he do it? How did he do it? There are two indicators. His name was Benaiah. He is the son of Jehoiada. The name Jehoiada means God knows. And the name Benaiah means God cares or God builds. As Brother David has so well said, we're in the worst possible place fighting the worst possible enemy. But here's the good news. God knows and God cares. God already knows what's going on in your life. God knows every trouble that you have. He knows the enemies and the attack that you are under. He knows all the heartache that's weighting you down. Not only does God know, but God cares. Hallelujah. You're not alone, and you never have been. And it may look bad, and the world around us can look horrible at times. Everything can be like, it's no way out. But I'm here to tell you, our God's still on the throne. Our God knows. Our God cares. And our God always wins. Never fails. Never fails. He wins. Ministry's tough. Life is hard. The devil's mean. My wife, I mean, uh, different sermon. 
No, we've all got things, haven't we, in life? Now, I could preach for another half an hour on this sermon. I'm going to tell you one thing, and then we're through. Uh, I have three children. They're the best children in the country. They'd be perfect if it wasn't for Deacon's kids. (laughs) No, we've had our share of issues with our kids, too, like everybody does. When our girl, when our daughter... She's our middle child. Was little, she developed asthma. The older she got, the worse the asthmatic condition became. And her situation was very difficult through her early years of life and through her early teenage years. She was 12 when this all happened. And she had gotten so sick, so sick with asthma. And... uh, she was under specialist care. She was uh, on all kinds of medications. And uh, just night after night, one of us would be up all night long with her, just hoping she could get just a little bit of sleep. She was tough as nails. She'd get up and go to school after a night of not hardly any rest or sleep. But one particular time and at this specific event of her life she had had just one of those kind of nights we had another little baby who was just a few months old and so uh, uh, I had stayed up most all night with our daughter so that Risa could sleep and care for the baby and uh, uh, Lydia had just coughed and coughed all night long. Could not lay down in a prone position. Had to sit up. And uh, about, uh, I don't know what time, morning, 6.30 or so, 7 maybe, uh, I had gone to lay down. Risa had gotten up to begin to get them ready for school and get things started for the day, and I went and laid down to try to get a little bit of rest. And in just a little bit, Risa came running into the room. I said, Tom, we've got to get Lydia to the hospital, or to the doctor. Uh, she'd begun bleeding through from her nose. She was basically incoherent. She was out. She was on her feet still, but just barely. Her, her lips were turning blue. I got up and went into the, the room where she was, and she was just about to collapse, and I picked her up and carried her to the car. Risa jumped in the car to drive her. I stayed with the baby. And uh, the pediatrician who took care of Lydia for years is one of our dearest friends. They have been some of our precious friends for a long, long time. And so he, he was very, very good to help us and do a lot of extra care for Lydia. Risa drove across town and got to his office. And he happened to look out the window of his, an examining room into the parking lot and saw Risa trying to get Lydia into the office. And he jumped up, grabbed the proper medication and shot, ran to the door and opened the door just as Lydia collapsed into his office and hit her with that shot and probably saved her life right there. They rushed. He picked her up from that spot, carried her to his vehicle and over to the hospital. 
and into the emergency room. I got a lady from the church to come and stay with our little baby so I could get to the hospital with Risa and with Lydia. And uh, they did a lot of things in the emergency room for Lydia. And uh, my sister, who's a respiratory therapist, I was telling her what the readings were on the blood gases and all of those things they were doing. And she said, Tommy, she said, do you understand what that means? I said, no, I don't. She says, that's not compatible with life. She says, she ought to be dead. I said, really? Well, she ain't. They moved her up into intensive care. And we got intensive care. Risa leaves and goes back to care for the baby. And I'm standing beside Lydia's bed and talking to the Lord. And we had just learned in our church a little song. I bet y'all sing it. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. He is here. Holy, holy. I will bless his name again. We had just learned that at the church. And that came through my mind. And I stood there and I grabbed her hand and I said, Lord, you're here. I will bless your name. You can take her home if you want to. She's yours and we're good. We understand that this life is fleeting. This life is short. If you want her, she's yours. If not, we're going to bless your name either way. Now today, Lydia is 30-something years old. <laughs> she has two wonderful children. She's teaching school. She's coaching. She's a second-degree black belt in Taekwondo. She's a certified instructor in Taekwondo and all other sorts of self-defense things. She would have whooped that line in a heartbeat. <laughs> but hear me now. God knows and God cares. God knows and God cares. Jehoiada. God knows. Benaiah. God cares. Wherever you are in life, God knows. Whatever you need, God cares. We need old-fashioned revival to break out our churches. God knows. God cares. Preacher, life's hard. God knows. God cares. Church members, it's tough. In life, God knows. God cares. Are you a parent? Life's hard. God knows. God. Are you a grandparent? Hallelujah. God knows. And God cares. Let's pray. Father, let your truth Speak to our hearts. You gave us these old stories for reason. You want us to know. Amazing things can happen when we just understand that you know all about it. You care. You are here even now. And Father, you do in this moment just what 
you desire. Their heads bowed and eyes closed, and I'm not sure exactly how we want to do an invitation, but let's just do it this way. Have you got a burden? Have you felt like you're in the worst possible conditions of life, under the worst possible foe? This would be a great time just to tell Lord, Lord, I know you're here, right in the midst. Got somebody you're praying for? God knows and God cares. I've got people I'm praying for, lost people I'm praying for. I've got family members who need to get right with God. God knows and God cares. And let's take our burdens to the Lord tonight and leave them there. Why don't you stand? Brother Jay is going to lead us in a song.